y'all doing today? Come on, your second service, you're like the wild service, right? You guys are the crazy ones? Oh, come on. Yes, there you go. Well, welcome. Welcome to church this morning. And welcome, like Pastor Kyle said, to our third week of our series, You Asked For It. Um, I'm really excited about this message today and so honored to be up here. My husband, one of the other Pastor Kyles, <laughs> is actually in Missouri preaching at another church this morning. He actually helped coach them through the ARC process. And so he is there with him this morning. He sends you his greetings and tells you he can't wait to be back with you next week. And he will be back here next week. So you'll have that to look forward to. But hey, listen, before we get into the message today, you probably saw, you maybe even sat on them. There's some invite cards on your seat. Take those out, put them in your pocket, in your purse, in your wallet, wherever you want to put them. But I really encourage you to mentally assign a name to that card of somebody that you're going to invite to our Fall Fest this next weekend. It's going to be a ton of fun. We're going to have lots of fun things happening outside. It'll be immediately after every service. And then also um, the message will be shortened for the day, so we have plenty of time to get out there and have some fun. But make sure you're inviting people, because I can tell you this, you're going to be kicking yourself if you come next week and you didn't even try to bring somebody with you. So make sure you do that. Even our 10-year-old daughter has been taking them to school. She writes the names of the people on them that she's giving to them, and she also like adds her own little notes, because that's how she is, and then uh, has been giving those, distributing those to her friends. So if she can do that, surely all of us can do that as well. So make sure that you do that. And I see some of you sporting your cool stickers that the kids' team has today, which is awesome. So make sure that you're inviting people. The whole purpose of this is that we can get people to come to church that might never actually have come to church without something like that. So make sure that you're inviting people. Well, the first two weeks of this series you asked for it have been so good. How many of you enjoyed Pastor Dino last week? Awesome. I love Pastor Dino. First time I heard him speak, I was like, I love this guy. He's like one of my very favorites. So if you didn't listen to that message, make sure that you hop online and listen to that. It's been such a great series already, and you don't want to miss out on any of that. So as you noticed, if you have taken a peek at your message notes that are in your worship guide, today's topic that we're talking about and you asked for it is forgiveness. And if you don't like that word, I'm sorry because you asked for it. <laughs> so <laughs> it was one of the top answers when we did this survey back at Easter. And so that's why we're talking about it today. And I think it's always a good reminder um, talking about forgiveness. It's something that we are all going to encounter in our lives over and over. So it's a really great topic. But I have to tell you that as, although I know, you know, this is a series or this particular message is about bitterness and unforgiveness and all these things, I have to share you kind of a lighthearted um, I need forgiveness story that I, a few weeks ago, I went to Starbucks. I like the mobile order app. It's really, really convenient. You don't even have to stay in the line. And if you ever go to this Starbucks down here on Auburn, you know the line is like so long. It's like a mile long to wait in the drive-thru. And so on my way to get our oldest from school one day, I did my mobile order because you just put in your order in the app and then so conveniently, it's just sitting there waiting. You can run inside, grab your drink, and come back out to the car. So that's what I did. I ran inside, grabbed my drink as quick as I could, ran back in the car, and on my way to get Ashton from school, I go. And as I'm driving, I'm thinking, that's different than what I thought it would look like. It was a new drink, but I was like, that's not what I thought it would look like. And I tasted it, and I was like, that's awful sweet. I mean, maybe that's how they make that one, but I intentionally tried to get one that wasn't sweet. And then I'm thinking, it's really big. I thought I ordered a smaller drink. Maybe they gave me a bigger drink. So I'm driving down the road. At this point, I'm practically at the school by now. And then I 
just pick it up, and I turn and look, and they always put your name on it of whoever ordered that, and it said Christina. And I was like, oh, I stole Christina's drink. And I immediately on the inside went into panic mode, and I didn't say a word out loud at this point. I'm like, I stole Christina's drink. Oh, my gosh. Should I tell Starbucks? What should I do? Should I let them know? Like, she's probably standing there. She might be on her way to work. I don't know. She's got things to do, and she's standing there waiting for this cup. And here I have it in my car. <laughs> I felt so bad. So Ashton gets in the car, and as usual, she sips my drink, and she's like, that's really good. And I'm like, I didn't order it. It's not mine. <laughs> and so I told her, I said, it's Christina's. Christina's waiting there for this drink. And from the back seat, my three-year-old, who acts like an adult sometimes, <laughs> pipes up, and he goes, Mom, you better take that cup back to Christina. You're busted. And I was like, I am busted. He told the three-year-old busted me out. I'm like, it wasn't intentional. So in all seriousness, no, all of us deal with those areas of unforgiveness. And Christina, if you're listening to this, forgive me. I am so sorry. I would have never taken your drink on purpose. But really, we all do deal with those issues of unforgiveness, of bitterness, of anger that's just pent up within us. And most of us have probably, if not all of us, have said this particular statement, whether it be about a person or a group of people, we've said, I don't care. And it's actually a lie, <laughs> because you do care. The fact that you're saying that tells us that you care. But th the thing is, God created us to care. All of us were created to care. So we actually do care. But it's one of the biggest lies that we can tell ourselves. The thing that I know I've said of that same thing plenty of times in my own life, many times have I said that, whether it be about an individual or a group, um, whatever it is, I've said those things. But then for some of us, maybe it sounds more like when you hear that word forgiveness, you're like, mm -mm, I'm not going there. Nope. Nope. Too much pain. Too much hurt. Not going there. So all of us have dealt with those things. And that's really what I want to dive into today in this message so bear with me because the beginning of this, I'm going to go a little bit fast because I really want to take some time on the back end of this message. But I think that there's an important progression that happens in our relationships where over time we get to this point where we're struggling with these different areas. Um, the first part of this progression that gets us to this unforgiveness is distance. Every relationship, every conflict, every issue within a relationship, it'll start first with distance. Now, distance can happen, whether it be through circumstances, it can happen unintentionally, sometimes intentionally. It can be you just weren't paying attention. It happens within our marriages. If we're not careful, that distance will be created. Sometimes it's just because you weren't really putting the effort in. And relationships, they don't manage themselves. We have to be active in helping to grow that relationship, no matter what it is. It can happen in relationship with our kids. Uh, maybe some of you have adult children and you've seen that distance kind of grow over the years. It can happen. All of those things, that's very real. Now, the next thing that happens is walls. Now, nobody wants to be hurt. No, I don't like to be hurt. I'm sure you don't like to be hurt. But if we're not careful when the hurt comes, we want to put up these walls. And rather than just trying to protect ourselves, we actually wall out good and bad. So... Our intention might be protection, it might be to keep something safe within us, but it's actually not doing us any good. We can't just completely block people out. And then in addition to that, if we're not careful, then it turns into a wall of God, where we put this wall 
between us and our relationship with the Lord because we maybe don't trust or we're frustrated or whatever that is. And we have to be mindful that that wall doesn't come up in between us and our relationship with the Lord. The next one in this progression is escalation. This is where the situation, it has escalated. It's become bigger than what it originally was. Um, I don't know, but have you ever had like somebody that has come to you with an issue or maybe you're this person and you're like going on and on about all these issues or they're going on and on about this issue and this person and then come to find out it's really just because like their husband forgot to put the cat back on the toothpaste and you're like, that's not an issue, like chill. But it's because they've allowed the escalation to happen. So now the Bible tells us the little, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. So the little things, if we allow them to add up, they will spoil things for us. Suddenly what could have just simply been a conversation turns into a conflict. And it doesn't have to be that way. And this is also in the same place where if we're not careful, our tongue will get out of control. Where we're saying things about people, we're belittling that person, whether to their face or behind their back. Maybe gossiping, maybe saying, um, calling them names. In our house, name calling is not allowed. It is outlawed. It does not happen in any way, shape, and form except for like stinker. I call them stinker. That's about it. But other than that, there is no name calling because I think that's an important thing to teach our kids is that we're not going to call people names. The next one here is false beliefs. This is where the enemy really gets into the mix. So we start imagining things that don't actually exist. People that don't know the whole situation come in with their opinions and their own offenses now that they're bringing in. And then we start to believe those things, whether it be from your own experience or their offense, we start to believe these lies. The, the reality is Satan, the Bible tells us that Satan is the father of lies. There's no good in him. What he does is lie. That is who he is. And so if we're not careful, we begin to believe the lies and we allow without even realizing it most of the time, we allow Satan to come in and say these words like it'll never work. You can't trust anybody. This is never going to work out. You better watch your back. And we believe those lies. And instead of actually helping us, we're actually hurting ourselves. The other thing that we have to remember within this is when you're hurting, you can't trust yourself. You have to go to wise counsel. The Bible talks about going to wise counsel. Don't go to somebody who's hurting because they're clouded just like you are. They can't see clear. They can't see this situation for what it is. You need wise counsel that's going to walk you through that because if not, you'll buy into the lies and you'll begin to work and live in your emotions and then take on their offenses. So we have to be careful about that. The next one in this progression is hostility. Now, me and that person, like, it is hostile. It's awkward. It's like you can't seem to be able to say anything nice. And for some of you, it might be like that even within your family unit, whether it be in your home or when you go to family. When you think about um, Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up, that might bring a little bit of anxiety because you think, I'm about to walk into a hostile situation up in here. And it doesn't have to be that way because God's called us to something higher. He's called us to a higher standard. But it'll affect every area of your life if you allow it. The reality is, though, that you're miserable and you're not at peace even when those people aren't around because that hostility is a heart issue. It's not an issue with that person and, and you. It's actually a heart issue. So we have to be careful about that. 
Ephesians 2, 12 through 14 says, Remember, we all need to be reminded sometimes, that at a time you were separate from Christ, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. So God initiated a process. He tried to take care of it. He did take care of it when he sent his son and he died on the cross for each and every one of us. For he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. So Christ is our peace. Ephesians 4.31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. So we have to remember, that's a powerful part of that verse, just as Christ forgave you. In order to be able to have the capacity to really forgive others, we have to first understand his, Jesus's, forgiveness towards all of us. If you see maybe your way isn't working, maybe you've tried to deal with this on your own, and you're serious about wanting to see some change in that area of bitterness or unforgiveness, then I believe God can do something in you right here, right now, today. And we're going to, as we go through this, we're going to talk about more of that. But regardless of what the other party does or does not do, you can still take the steps in this to make sure that your heart is in the right place. But before we do that, like I said, let's talk about Jesus and his great love for us, how he loved us in the midst of our brokenness. See, there's a prayer that Jesus prays here as he's dying on the cross. And I believe this is one of the most grace-filled, love-filled prayers that any of us could ever read that any of us could ever experience in our own lives. Luke 23, 32 through 33 says, Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. What we have to understand about the crucifixion is maybe you've seen this depicted in some movies, and there's some really great movies out there that do a really good job, but you can never fully understand the brutality and how horrible this was if it's not you that's actually dealing with it. See, this form of crucifixion was reserved for the worst of the worst criminals. These were bad people that they used this form of crucifixion for. Jesus wasn't a criminal, though, but he was treated as one. He was given the same treatment that anybody else on that cross would have been given. They beat him down. They drove thorns into his head. They beat him so badly that he wouldn't have been recognizable. His face so bloodied and bruised. They whipped him with a whip that was full of shards of glass and metal and rock with the purpose of pulling skin off of him. And all the while, theologians say, more than likely with the amount of beatings that he experienced, his organs would have been exposed. It was so brutal. And then it gets worse. Then they take him, they strip him naked, they walk him down this road so that everybody around can laugh and scoff and mock him. And then they drive thorns, or thorns, they drive nails, giant nails into his hands and his feet to hold him up on this cross. All the while, it's designed to slowly suffocate that person, to slowly cause death, so that as they grow weak and they go down like this, it slowly kills them by not being able to breathe. And just for a moment, they can get themselves up if they get the strength only to go back down. Just after one breath, then they go back down. And it's designed to slowly humiliate them, 
to bring shame on them, to mock them. And then in most movies you've seen, they, they have the cross up high. More than likely, it would have been about this far off the ground, designed so that people, anybody that wanted, could come by, spat on them, mock them, say awful things to them, ridicule them. And that's what they did to Jesus. They yelled things at him like, you say you're the king of the Jews. You say you can save people. You've healed others. Now heal yourself. Get yourself off of that cross. If you can do it, then do it. Mocking him, making fun of him. And all the while, all as this is happening, he's slowly dying. Jesus utters this prayer. He says it here in Luke 23, 34. Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. I don't know about you, but that's like, that gets you. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. All the while he's being abused, he's being mocked, he's beaten, he's hanging, dying on a cross for every single one of them. The kingdom mocking the creator in the flesh, and he has the audacity to be filled with love and forgiveness for every single one of them, every single one of us. Now, I want to acknowledge as we go through this, Pain is real. Hurt is real. Abuse is real. It happens. It absolutely does. Maybe you are in a family and you either experienced it firsthand or you witnessed abuse from parents, whether it be verbal, physical, emotional. You experienced it. You saw it happen. Or maybe you were a businessman. Maybe you are right now and you have integrity and your partner did not and it's caused you to lose something. Maybe you lost everything. You lost your, um, who you were in society. You lost something. Maybe it is simply a friend. Maybe that friend hurt you. Maybe they lied about you. They gossiped about you behind your back, and you're hurt, and you don't know if you can trust again because of the deep hurt that you experienced. For some of you, maybe in marriage it was a betrayal. Maybe recent or in the past. And you're having a hard time getting over it. You're having a hard time being able to forgive. Some of you might be mad at God right now. Your theology is good. You know God is faithful. But all the while, you're going, but I have prayed. I have practically begged God to see breakthrough in this area. I, can, I do everything that I can on this side of heaven. And yet, I'm still standing here going, God, why didn't you do what I know you could do? You've not done it. And why haven't you done it? It's real. That's real. So I'm not negating that. Maybe some of you can't forgive yourself. You know that God forgives you, but you can't seem to forgive yourself. Maybe you messed up real bad, and you're struggling to forgive yourself and let go of the things that you did. You know, it's a lot like vacuuming. <laughs> I'll tie it together. It's a lot like vacuuming. So I'm a neat freak. I like my house very clean. <laughs> Um, I'll admit that. I enjoy it clean. makes me have a sense of peace when I walk in my house and it's clean. But my husband, now, when I vacuum, it's like, I just get it done. But he likes it. Like, he likes those lines straight. And he'll take his good old time getting those lines straight. And he does the same with the lawn. You know, he, some of you, you know, you like those lawns, that line. You're like pulling up to your house and you're like, look at those lines. Look at that. That looks so good. But then what do you do when you're vacuuming? This happened to me the other day. When you're vacuuming, there's like this little speck. You go at it like 50 times, and you're like going round and round every direction that you can possibly get until finally, what do you do? You pick it up, 
You look at it, you examine it, but what do you do with it? You throw it back down, and then you start vacuuming again. And you're still going at it from four different ways. Every angle that you can possibly do it. And some of you are like that in your life right now. You've gone around it as many ways as you can. You've gone to church. You've gone to counseling. You've made every effort you can seem to do, and yet you still just can't get over it. You keep picking that little speck back up, only to throw it back down again and just to keep doing the same thing over and over. We all do it. I literally just did it with the speck this week. And it can be hard. It's hard when somebody hurts us. Listen, I know it's hard, you guys. But for me, it's even more difficult when somebody hurts somebody I love. Like everything, that protector within me is like, oh, no. And there I am. I've taken their speck. I've got it on the ground, and I'm trying to get it up with my vacuum. And I'm going, how dare they say that? How dare they do that? It's not even mine to carry. It wasn't even my speck to even vacuum up. And yet we do it over and over within our lives. So how on earth do we get to this place where we can be even just a little like Jesus, where we can say, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. How do we forgive like Jesus? Well, the first thing we can do, and it's very clear in the Bible, Jesus lays out this playbook for us. He says, pray for those who hurt you. It's simple and yet so challenging. That's exactly what Jesus tells us to do here in Luke 28, 628. He says, bless those who curse you. Now say this second part with me. Pray for those who hurt you. That's right. Pray for those who hurt you. When I read that, it's like, okay, let's be honest. When, it first, when you first start, if you've ever tried to do this, you try and pray somebody that has hurt you, it usually starts out with some attitude. Let's be honest. And you're like, God. You don't have to deal with them. I don't know what their issue is. But you see it, you bring your wrath upon them. Vanquish them. Whatever you have to do, God. But that's not what Jesus is telling us here. He's saying, like, actually pray for them. Then in Matthew, Jesus makes this statement. Now, before we read it, you have to understand, everything within the Bible, you have to be mindful of how you read it because culture was so different. So for them, in their culture, this statement Jesus get ready to make was like opposite, complete polar opposite of everything they had been taught in their cultures. So Jesus says here in Matthew 5, 43, he says, you've heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. So that's what they were taught. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. See, when he said that, at that moment, they would all been like, what? say, what? What did he just say? Because that went against everything they were taught. The Romans in that day, like their favorite thing was revenge. They were the ones that loved these crucifixions. They were all about letting people have it, making sure they knew who was in charge. They lived for that revenge. And then the Jews in that day, they would have had the thought, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. You take something from me, I'm going to take it back. I'm going to take something else from you. You hurt my family, I'm going to hurt your family. Revenge is how they lived. And so Jesus comes in and he flips the script and he says the complete opposite. Or maybe for you, you drive around town and like somebody flips you the bird and you flip it right back. You're letting an eye for an eye, right? No, come on guys, that's why some of you don't have those stickers on your car. Because you know, I better avoid the sticker. 
I have to check myself sometimes. I'm driving around, and I get an attitude, and I'm like, oh, I got a sticker. I got to be good. I got to be kind. I'll let you over. Go ahead. You know, let them get over. But you got to put that thing away. Put those things away, because Jesus has called us to a higher standard. It's not an eye for an eye. It's not a tooth for a tooth. It's not revenge. That's not what he's called us to. All the while, Jesus is going, no, no, no. Pray for them. Pray for them. That's what we need to do. So did somebody hurt you? Pray for them. Did somebody abuse you? Pray for them. Did somebody hurt or abuse someone you love? Pray for them. Did someone abandon you? Pray for them. Did they take something from you? Pray for them. Did they lie about you? Pray for them. Did they mistreat you? Pray for them. That's what Jesus tells us to do. He laid it out in black and white for each and every one of us. We have to have the right attitude before we'll be able to ever have the right actions towards somebody. So you've got to get your heart right. Pray for them. Pray for those who hurt you. When you first start praying, like I said, you're going to have an attitude. You'll, know, you'll probably not have a right heart about it. That's okay. But if you are faithful and continually lifting that person up in prayer, guess what's going to happen? I hate to break it to you. It might not change them. But it will most certainly change you. It's going to change your heart about the situation. And then you never know what will happen once your heart changes. It can change everything. Give it time and consistency. And those prayers are going to turn your heart. Your prayers may not change them. And the hurt is real. I'm not saying the hurt is not real. I'm not even excusing it. Because it's not excusable. Some of you have been hurt in awful, awful ways. But here's the other thing we can do to forgive like Jesus. And that's to forgive as you have been forgiven. You can't get more clear than that, you guys. Matthew 10, 8 says, freely you have received, freely give. And then Colossians 3.13 says, forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of things to receive forgiveness for in my life. Before I surrendered to the Lord, I was not a good person. I intentionally hurt people. I lied. I stole. I broke laws. I hurt my family. I rejected the church. I rejected God. I made a lot of really poor decisions, and a lot of them intentionally. I knew exactly what I was doing. I didn't care. But here's the thing. Even after surrendering to Jesus, guess what? I still fall short. I still mess up. I still fail. I still hurt people. Now, it's not intentional now, but we all mess up. We all fall short. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, 14 through 15, he says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But listen to this. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you yours. So don't withhold forgiveness because it's not doing anybody any good and especially not you. So you can hold on to it if you want. It's up to you. You have a choice to make. You can let it eat you up. You can let it make you all mad. You can rehearse those practice speeches in the mirror in case you see that person. You chuckle because you know you do it. You think about what I'm going to say. I'm going to let them have it. You can let that anger, that bitterness and resentment make you stay up at night where you're just laying in bed thinking of how angry you are. You can't believe they did that to the point where over time it makes you sick, physically ill. It will make you physically ill. If you don't allow God to help heal that part of you, you have that choice. You can become the bitter, 
angry person that you look at now and you say, I'm not going to ever be that. You will if you don't get your heart right, if you don't choose forgiveness, if you don't choose to extend grace to them. But at some point, you either choose the path of unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment, or you choose to forgive. It can't change the past. It won't make the past go away. But it can change your future. It will change the trajectory of your life if you choose to forgive. We can hold on to the bitterness, or we can choose forgiveness. We can extend his grace. And you guys, I promise you, I've walked it. I've held on to it. I've made that choice plenty of times. And when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you and says, no, let it go. Listen. Allow him to change you and make you new. Allow him to renew your mind, to have the mind of Christ, to be able to forgive, to be able to picture them and say, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. You know, I know that when I die, I'm going to spend eternity with my heavenly Father. And there's going to be some of you in here today who will make that choice for the first time or maybe rededicate your life. But I know I'm going to spend eternity with him, not because I'm good, but because he is that good. Because he loves us so much. And he chose as he died on the cross to say, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they are doing. It hurts, you guys. It is painful. But while we were still sinning, remember, you were once far from him. And while you were still sinning, he died for you. So how do we forgive as Jesus? As we've been forgiven. It's simple. We're new creations in Christ. Jesus, the Bible tells us that he is seated at the right hand of the Father and that he's interceding on your behalf. And perhaps today he's interceding on your behalf and he's up there going, help them to make the choice today to forgive. Help them to make the choice to let the bitterness and the, and the resentment go to let the unforgiveness go and say, I choose to forgive. Perhaps that is exactly why you're here today, is to be able to move on from the hurt. You know, there's a powerful saying that says, when we choose to forgive and let someone go, so stop holding on to them like this, stop holding on to that anger and bitterness and resentment, we set a prisoner free when we choose to do that, only to find out that the prisoner is us. And that is a fact, you guys. You are not helping anyone. You're keeping yourself in a prison of unforgiveness and bitterness. So we pray for them. We forgive as we've been forgiven. So how do you do that today? God can take it away in a moment. He can allow you right here as you have an encounter with God that when we end this service that you can choose. God, I'm going to give them to you. I'm going to release forgiveness to that person no matter how painful it has been you know there's a remake of the cinderella movie that came out in 2015 and although i love the original cinderella i'm a little biased to this one because it has a powerful message in it and there's been times where i even watch it with our daughter and there's so many lessons that you can learn as silly as that sounds i'm telling you what it is a powerful story but well, if you know the story of Cinderella, you know that she was very much mistreated. She was treated so poorly by her own family. Now, it was her stepmother and her stepsisters. 
but she had a hard life, a lot of things to deal with. And at the end of the movie, after, I'm going to do spoilers, you've never seen the movie, but of course she's reunited with the prince and everything is all in well. But as she's standing at the bottom of these stairs, her stepmother comes down from the upstairs. And without a word from her stepmother, she looks at her and she says, I forgive you. Some of us need to do that. You might never get an apology. That's a hard realization. You might never get an apology. And you have to be okay with that. Over and over, you guys, it may sound silly, but I have in my mind pictured people at the top of that step. And I say out loud, I forgive you. They don't know I'm doing it. I've done it before. I've walked into a setting where I know that there could be hostility. There could be some uncomfortable feelings. Maybe you feel like that with your family. You're going to go into Thanksgiving or Christmas, and you know there might be some bad feelings. There might be some hurt and some pain. Choose ahead of time. It might sound menial, but I'm telling you it's powerful. You picture them at the top of those stairs, and you say, I forgive you. And you release them, even before the hurt occurs, because you know it probably will occur. And you're going to hurt people, too. Be willing to go quickly, to go to that person and say, I'm sorry. Be willing to be that person. But if you never get an apology, you still have to offer forgiveness because that's what Jesus did for us. And like we read, if you want to be forgiven, then you need to be willing to forgive to the same extent that you receive forgiveness from our Heavenly Father. He loves you. He's not angry with you. He's not mad at you. No matter how bad you've messed up, he still loves you, desperately wants you to be able to forgive and to be able to move on. Would you just bow your heads? I'd love to pray over every single one of you. Father, I pray for every person who's in this room under the sound of my voice or that watches this online. Lord, I believe that you can do a work beginning today that even sitting there in their seats, that they can offer this person up or people up and say, God, I choose to forgive. I choose to release forgiveness. I choose to let go of the bitterness and the unforgiveness. And I choose the same choice you made, Jesus. I choose to forgive I choose to love them despite the areas where I've been hurt. And I choose to put down the walls and say, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to grow and I'm going to move. And there's going to be breakthrough that comes for some in here marriages. You've experienced that betrayal, whether recent or in the past, like I said, and you're struggling to be able to forgive. You're struggling to be able to move on. And God, I just speak right now over every single one of them that Oh, though many may have said it'll never work, it's never going to happen, there's no coming back for this, there's nothing that can change what has happened, Lord, that you would come in that situation and you would bring some restoration in Jesus' name, that marriages will be reunited, that they will be restored and they'll be stronger than they've ever been, that there's going to be kids and parents that are going to have some resolution that is brought, that's going to have forgiveness that comes from within them and says, God, I choose to forgive. Lord, I thank you, God, that there's going to be breakthrough that comes simply by our obedience to do what you've already laid out for us to do, to pray for them and to forgive them as we've been forgiven. And as every head is still bowed, as we continue to pray, there's others of you in here. You're here for a more powerful reason. As important as forgiveness is, 
you might not even have a relationship with the Lord. You might not even know what that's like. And if I asked you, if we were just sitting down to coffee and I asked you, what's your spiritual life like? You probably would all have different answers and that's okay. But the reality is every single one of us are sinners. The Bible's clear that all of us are sinners and we all fall short of God's standard. That's why his grace is so amazing because God did something for us that we didn't earn, we didn't deserve it. But forgiveness was already being breathed out of Jesus as he hung dying on a cross for you and me. Forgiveness was already coming out of him when he was saying, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. He died and then was raised on the third day. Why? So that every person, that's you too, every person who calls on the name of the Lord could be saved. It doesn't matter how bad you've been. It doesn't matter how bad you've messed up. It doesn't matter the things that you've done. When you call on Jesus, he forgives your sins. Not because you're good, but because he's that good. We can never be as good as he is. And there's some of you who need his grace. You need his forgiveness. And today is the day of your salvation. This is why you're here. So if you want to say yes, you say, I need his grace. I need his forgiveness. I turn away from my sins and I want to turn towards Jesus. If that's you, would you just raise your hands all over in this room? Come on. That's awesome, you guys. That's awesome. You're saying, I surrender. I give it to you, God. So come on, we're going to pray together. I don't want anybody praying alone. We're going to pray this together. Heavenly Father, today I turn to you. I ask Jesus to save me. Make me new. Forgive me. My life is not my own. I give it to you, Lord. Help me to follow you the rest of my days. I need you to empower me to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen.